0: Hi, this is Mouse. I'm (laughs) Weens. We have the Mouse and Weens podcast. I'm the mom that lives in suburbia with three kids. I'm (laughs) Lalone. She's the Hollywood cat lady. (laughs) And we have a fun podcast where we talk about life, love, and... Loneliness. (laughs) Pubic hair. Come on. I'm sorry. We hope you come take a listen to us. We're on all the platforms, and we will see you soon. I have PMS. (laughs) Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis
1: clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and
0: sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com. And IWB Podcast on social media.
2: Folks, there is some sort of electrical disturbance in the stands. Metal bender cops are dropping like bumble flies. There appear to be masked members of the audience wielding strange devices on their hands. One of them is in the booth with me right now, folks. He's leveling one of those glove devices at me, and I believe he's about to electrocute me. I am currently wetting my pants. And scene.
1: Welcome to the Picture Show
2: with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude, and I'm the dad. And I'm Austin Rude, I'm the son. Every week we watch a movie and then we talk about it. Except this week, it's not a movie, is it? It is not a
1: movie. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Um, Tell the people what you've been watching other than what they already know is coming. I yes. like th- I like that we build fake suspense into it's, this. It's very suspenseful. Uh, uh, me and David used to come back around to this on Broke Bot Mountain all the time, how we made a big deal out of it, but it's... In the n- title of the episode, that people are people aren't just right. stumbling on this. We these we, intense cliffhangers are it's a, it's a weird thing about um podcasting where we still pretend like it's radio that people just are tuning through a radio band and just stumble upon us, like right, accidentally find us. If but you're
2: listening to this on your ham radio,
1: if then you, if you if you're on your AM band driving your uh. 1978 Chevy Nova down the country roads, and you stumble on these two yahoos talking about Cora and uh, and 2001 and whatnot. Uh, it's the picture show. I'm Phil. Yes. He's Austin, and and we are going to talk about Cora today, obviously.
2: But before we get to that, before that, um, I've been watching The West Wing still. I that show's going to take me. A while to get through. How many seasons of The West Wing are there? There are seven. That's, I, that's pretty good. He, he, I don't know if it maintains the quality all the way through, but I'm still on season one. I'm halfway through, and each episode really makes me think. I can't just binge it like a normal show. Right. Well, it makes me wonder um, if there's
1: a little different aspect to watching this now when you know there's seven seasons to it, because there has to be a point somewhere in the middle where you're wondering if he's going to be re-elected. Right. But you already know, oh, clearly we have three or four more seasons to go here. Um, uh, Clearly I, he's re-elected. My,
2: my thing is, why aren't there just eight seasons? What uh, happens? He must have run out again. Ooh, maybe Ooh. it gets bad. Maybe he gets... Uh... Um, impeached. impeached yeah uh, what if he uh, moved from office what if he doesn't get reelected, and the
1: last three seasons are just about the intense drama in opening his presidential library that could be interesting that could, could it probably not
2: <laughs> aaron sorkin can probably make that work i'm i'm gonna guess um and then i've also been watching i started rewatching doctor who with a friend on zoom because uh, he's never seen it, and it's one of my favorite shows. Right. So that's been a lot of fun. He's enjoying it so far. Well, that's
1: good, because there's, what, 50 seasons of Doctor Who? If he's not enjoying it... There's
2: 58 years. It's going to be a long, long slog for this kid. Yes. Yeah. And I'll make him sit through it. <laughs> wow, what a friend. I. That's how much I love my friends. Well, uh, okay. Uh, is that why you <laughs> made me sit through
1: Cora the... Uh, I I keep wanting to call it Korra, the last Airbender. It's not; she's not the last Airbender. <laughs> well, neither was Aang, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I... it,
2: it's it's already altered the fabric of the show. I love. He was currently the last Airbender in uh, that show. Okay. All right. What have you been up to?
1: Uh, not much. I don't. I don't know that I've really watched anything except um, except Korra. Really. I mean it's it's just been. Uh, an episode or two a day and, and I finally got, got through it.
2: What? Yesterday? Yeah. Two days yeah, ago? Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, whatever it was. Um, I, the term got through it and sitting through Cora has been used a lot. Okay. But I do, typically that's how I talk about TV shows too. Is
1: okay. I, I got through, if something especially is, is multiple seasons, it is like, okay, I'm getting through it. I'm, it is a commitment. It, it is to uh, to watch it for the show. Yes, I've committed to it. Um, to uh, shine a light on our schedule, we were originally going to do The Vast of Night. Right. Um, we're still going to do that. We just basically, I called an audible this weekend and said, let's bump up Korra. I f- just finished it. It's fresh in my mind. So let's talk about season one,
2: and then we'll we're gonna do the Vast of Night next week. Right. We we had to check with the stockholders and everyone on the board to make sure that was okay. Uh,
1: the uh, the scheduling committee was not happy about it, but you know what? We're wild cards. It's it, this is what you get when you get on with a couple of mavericks like us. Exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, you don't just build this thing from the ground up and play by the rules. <laughs> but um. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the Vast of Night. We just, I've got another, uh, I'm I'm guesting on a couple shows in the this uh, time around here. I'm finding a little bit of my schedule a little bit tighter. It's been a busy week in the podcasting it's world. Be, it's been a busy, uh, it's been a busy month for, you know, just in
2: general. So, right. like, things are um, returning to, I don't want to say normal, it's like, Or we're adjusting to it.
1: Yes. uh, One or the other. Um, uh, Plus, uh, you know, if you want a timestamp of when we're recording this, we're on the heels of the political conventions, too. So a little bit of burnout. uh, Uh, A little bit of stress. It's been an interesting And then the state of the world. But yes, we are going to watch The Vast of Night. I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, We just decided to bump this up. Um, uh, Again, this is just like Avatar. This is neither of our picks. This is a... A joint pick. This right. is a you know, so it's not a turn against either of us. But Vast of Night next week. This week, The Legend of Korra season one. Yes, let's talk about it. Uh, I am glad I'm watching this show. Really, I'm not in love with this show. I I struggled a lot with parts of season one.
2: I think a lot of people did. I'm
1: glad I'm at least. Watching it. I cannot promise you that I am going to get all
2: the way through this series if if things don't drastically improve. I promise you the second half of this, series three and four, there's, we'll talk about scheduling differences when we get to book two. Because there were a lot of cancellations and the history of the show is a mess. And that's partly why it is a mess. Okay. But... I promise you it gets better. All
1: right. I don't think any of my issues with this show have anything to do with scheduling or or behind-the-scenes drama. I think there are some structural storytelling problems. I think there are some character problems with their show. Are. Um, I think there are some missed opportunities. And I think there is some emulation problem.
2: What do you mean by emulation?
1: I mean they're trying very hard to emulate what made Avatar good See, instead of just building their own thing on top of the foundation that avatar made this is a this is a star wars third uh trilogy problem you know uh, right. force awakens tries so hard to build on what we love about star wars that they basically ended up emulating
2: star wars but not doing it as good they there are i agree that that's a problem but they also acknowledge that Korra is a very different character, and that this is a very different show. Agreed. I and and, and I just have
1: slightly tropey ways. I of, take. I have taken that into consideration as well, because I mean Avatar, and I'm I'm sorry if nobody wants to hear me compare this to Avatar, but it's an Avatar show. It's, it is. It, it invites comparisons just by it being a sequel show. Avatar is a story for small children that was geared towards small children. This is a show about a teenager that is geared towards teenagers this is geared towards the avatar kids who became teenagers and they said okay and in in that context i i get a lot of why the decisions were made that they were made but that may also be why i don't like the characters as much i i find it hard to connect with teenage characters they're whiny they think they know everything they're cocky. They're unlikable. They are. Newsflash, teenagers, real world or fictional, are unlikable people. They're, Since I'm
2: 20 now and I can they say are, this as not a teenager. I, I'm saying
1: this as the meat of teenager, 13 to 15, 16. Yes. This, this not out of school yet. I know everything. You can't tell me everything. I've raised three of them. I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. I love my children. I don't always like my children in that teenage uh uh in that teenage point of view, in that teenage way. Right. And this is a problem I have with Cora. And now she does overcome this in a lot of ways throughout the first season. I feel like she becomes more likable. She starts to understand It's just like a, a real teenager, when they start to realize that they don't know everything. They soften up a little bit. The world doesn't revolve around Korra, even though she thinks it and does. And Korra does sort of uh, get more likable, but not quite all the way there. She's never as charming as Aang. She's never as much fun as the Aang. All of the characters in here are not fun in the way that the Avatar characters were. I don't have fun with these with these with this
2: cast. I... Okay, so you're right about that, but... I will say I find the adults in this show way more entertaining than the kids or than the teens. Tenzin, Lin, um Yeah. Um I don't know, there's something about them that I like. And to it's a certain degree, I would say they're more solid characters. They're
1: not transitioning as much, they're not changing as much. Right. They're supporting they're a supporting cast.
2: Yes. And e- but even Tenzin has to learn how to Get along with Cora and... Yeah, that's fair. Um,
1: yeah, and I'm not... Look, I'm going to sound like I'm bagging on the show because I have a lot of complaints about it. And that's probably where I'm going to focus the most of my energy on well, here. Well, I mean, I love the show and I'm going to be praising it. So it's an sure. even
2: balance. But I,
1: but just like you are going to praise the show, you understand that it's a faulty show. I do. And just like I am focusing on the faults, I don't Hate this show. I've watched worse shows. My my biggest complaint about it is that I'm not it's just not as good as Avatar. I mean, like right. to, to make a blanket, I mean, there's plenty of reasons why that is. It's not just like, well, this isn't the thing I love, therefore I hate it. You know, in a lot of ways, um uh I've I've drawn this comparison before. Better Call Saul is not breaking bad. It is very, very good. And it, the reason it's good is because it's not necessarily trying to be Breaking Bad. It's sort of building on this foundation of a character that was introduced in Breaking Bad and sort of fleshing that story out. The parts of Better Call Saul that aren't good are the ones that are emulating what Breaking Bad did. Bringing characters in and showing us stuff that really isn't important to this character that we're following. And in that way, I think... Uh, Better Call Saul suffers. Still a great show. Um, and in this way, I think it's it's a big anchor for Korra. The, all, all the the kind of comic relief characters they're trying to replace Sokka with. Yeah. Just, uh, just don't do the comic relief. You don't have Sokka anymore. Or have adult Sokka still be here. Yes. Uh, I would love to him, him as the wacky neighbor. Who comes into Tenzin's place or Tenzin would hate him. It would be so
2: good to have adult soccer there. I, I love Bolin, but he is a discount soccer. And you can't he, argue against that. I don't I think Discount Sokka is putting it
1: very generously. I don't think he's funny. I don't think maybe if I'm a teenager watching this show, maybe if I'm a tween, whatever this Whoa. show is aimed at. I'm hip. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, maybe that kind of comedy works, but Tenzin's kids not funny. Bolin not funny. All the characters they try to make funny, uh, to take the place of Sokka, just fall short. I would rather them play it straight down the middle and seriously, than to try to replace what is one of the great comic relief characters. They, of they all probably time. should have done that. Um, uh, do we want to? Where are we at? Let's take a let's take a quick break. Yeah, and then we'll come back because you have a lot of bullet points in this
2: yes, script. Yes, I I came prepared today. And, and uh, you, the Avatar episodes are where you come alive in the show prep. I I, I w- <laughs> the thing here is <laughs> I need to watch something multiple times to truly understand it and like have a deep dive into it. And well, so- something that's several hours long for sure. Also that, but even just like when I'm watching a movie for the first time, I don't get everything from the movie. It takes multiple times. So on these things that I've already experienced and I'm revisiting for the show, I know what to do. You, you, it's,
1: it's fresh. It's at the top of your head. Yeah. So that's, I think that's great. Um, but you've got a lot here and and we're going to start unpacking it when we get back from the break. Okay. All right.
0: The following is paid for by the Coalition for a Better Hollywood. For decades, Big Movie has had Hollywood studios in their back pocket. They spend millions to get you to spend billions on movies that are nothing more than sequels, reboots, remakes, reimaginings, Oscar cliché and January releases. Big Movie lobbyists have all but ensured original film ideas are ignored, forgotten, or maybe not even real. Are they feature films? Are they quality flicks? Are they real motion pictures? Your soon-to-be, if not already favorite movie podcast stands with the little movies. Help put an end to big movies cinematic censorship and listen to the Pop-Up Filmcast every Tuesday wherever honest hard-working podcasts can be found. We are the Pop-Up Filmcast, a proud member of the Podfix network, and we support this message. Hey, we're back. Oh.
2: Hey. What'd you do on your break? Um, I actually died. Wow. Yeah, and I was reborn. My name's not Austin anymore. Interesting. It's Aaron. Okay. Don't worry. I'm still the same show you love. Just slightly different. Uh, I don't know. Something's off about it. I, 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 Am I less funny?
1: Way less funny. <sighs> way less charming. Uh, far more unlikable, All and right. you can't do that weird rotating fan obstacle course. Oh, I can do that. Nah, uh, you keep knocking it over. I mean, you set it on fire. It's awful. All right. Okay. Awesome. Why don't um, you Why don't you take the wheel here and and give us something to
2: delve into? Let's talk about. What is one of the highlights of Avatar, and also this the show? Guy? Not the—I mean, he is a highlight, <laughs> and he—he he does have a legacy in this show. Apparently, uh, talk about beating a joke to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cabbage Corp is a weird thing. Hey, remember this, guys? I yeah. mean, weirder names for technology companies: Apple. Sure. But, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe
1: that's the uh, right the big deal.
2: Anyway, um, the world building of Avatar, um, still exists in this, and they bring it to a new level. Um, uh, yeah. In Legend of Korra, there's a technology progression, and it's actually direct as, as there would be. Yes, um, some people complain that it's too advanced, that they move too quickly. I.
1: I don't know how that would work out if they were doing a one-to-one comparison to the time that has passed with real society. Right, it's around
2: 70 years in this show.
1: Right, I figure two generations, it's got to be somewhere in that neighborhood. Yes. It is possible that technology progressed that much if you look at, you know, beginning of the, uh, like 1900 to 1970, we were on the moon where we hadn't even flown. But it does take me out of the show. It was a lot for me to adjust to in the first couple. I'm like, "Oh, they have cars." Oh, and they're like high-end cars. Like these are like right. these aren't just like you know, Model Ts or something like and they have airplanes. And they it's it's a big adjustment when you've come from watching kind of medieval style. I mean, there's right. machinery in Avatar. Well,
2: that's what I wanted to point out is in Avatar the Fire Nation is Fire going Nation through has, a right. industrial revolution. Right. And so you see the start of submarines, the start of airships and blimps. Tanks. You, right. You get... A, right. And so now that the war is over and the Avatar has spread this to the other nations... Well, the Fire Nation has spread it to the other... Well, yes, but... Um, I think you're giving the Avatar a
1: little too much credit for uh, the technological advances of the world. I think he should just stick to the four elements.
2: All right, all right. Well, Aang, um, him and Zuko founded Republic City. Right. And they brought a lot of the um, technology from the Fire Nation to the rest of the world through that. And so I think it is a little rushed, but... I think partly it makes sense, and partly it's a good way to distinguish this show from Avatar. There's a new world that we're exploring. We're not just repeating the same world. Right. Um,
3: the,
1: the only, uh, I think the biggest uh, disconnect of it, though, is that there, they show that there still are... Like, the technology still only seems to be in this one place.
3: Right. Like,
1: if you go out to the Water Tribes... They still have nothing. If you go to... Uh, oh, I guess that's a, the only other worlds we really see, in season one anyway. Like, yes. Like, that. these outlier... Like, they don't even have cars. They don't have snowmobiles. They don't have anything.
2: Yes, it's, it's just like the real world where... Uh,
1: that's kind of a no.
2: stretch, I think. There's I mean... areas of the world that... There, there the, the are. The water tribe is like a third uh, world nation. It's... Yes,
1: but third world nations by 1970 had cars. They had not all of them, but uh, technology had brushed up against most places yes. in the world. Like the idea that, um, oh, they they still live like there's there's nothing here. She has to ride her giant dog. Uh, right, which like I do. Imagine this as a sequel to like the children's books, Clifford. Clifford, like, oh. she, she, but, um. her love made Naga grow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on the technology because by the by the end of season one, I had just accepted it. Okay, this is where we are yes. in the world. Um, one of um, I really, but my my initial uh, gut reaction to it was. They wanted to have Avatar but they still wanted to have like car chases. Right. Uh, but really like it's it's fine. It, it's it's nothing to com- it's not a complaint. It just right. is I think it's an adjustment for people who were into Avatar and they're like, "Oh wait, there's cars now? There's what, airplanes?" What, what? Yeah, it's yeah. it's sort of a it's sort of a a
2: whiplash to it. Uh right. JK Sims whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> uh also great movie. Great movie. Um I think one line that really sums it up is when they unveil uh, the airplanes. This is the first time any character in this universe has seen an airplane. Right. And Bolin says something like, where do they find the time to come up with these evil machines? Right. And planes aren't evil, but in this universe, they were pushed by war. Sure. Uh, So technology is advanced through war. And I think that's why. Well, that's Korra not just is the in this universe. Is. That's how the world works. Exactly. And Avatar is supposed to be a representation, right, of our world. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I would,
1: I would the, if we're gonna like make comparisons to, uh, real technology. It's a little far-fetched that no one has ever even seen an airplane, but all of a sudden there's a fleet of fully functional airplanes. Like, you right. know, it's, it's sort of like,
2: but, you know, I get he it. built like, these in three days. There was
1: also, like, the, the robot machines, like the... The mecha tanks. Yeah, the... There's all kinds of stuff that was, like, mass-produced underground, apparently, but... Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... They are trying to demonstrate, like, technology, the military-industrial complex, and, like, kind of complex things for a, a show aimed at teenagers. That's why I love Cora. Um, but that's, and that's, that's fine. I just, it's just not gonna, it's, this show is probably never going to resonate with me the way Avatar did. You, you told me you're like, give it time. It takes a couple episodes. It's a little slow starter. It, it never like all through season one. I don't feel like it ever picked up. Really? It, it wasn't that it was slow. It wasn't that it was stumbling. It just never locked in with me. I, I I realize there's three more seasons to go. A lot can happen, but this this season just sort of failed to connect with me in the same way. Like a, a season of Avatar, I was invested. That's I was, fair. I was already in the, and I really think. I mean, I'm going to come back to this again and again. I just don't connect with these characters, and I really don't know if it's because they're teenagers, if they're just not written as well, if they're not, they're, they're very clearly not as much fun. They aren't. And so, for me, there was a big disconnect just in, here's the main character, Korra, I should connect with her. Here's her team avatar.
3: <laughs>
1: None of them. Did I, did I really enjoy spending time with, I wasn't opposed to
2: it, but it wasn't like I enjoyed, I didn't, their dynamic, even with. The the group took a while to form. That's one of my biggest complaints about this. I
1: kind of like that it took a while to, to form. Uh, You know, it wasn't like, ooh, instant group, but for all of that, it should have been more organic and felt more solid. There's love triangles going on within the group. And still, I did not feel invested one way or the other. I didn't care who, um, I forget his name. Bud Bundy. Uh, Mako.
2: Um, Mako. I didn't care who he ended up with. He's I the most boring character. I did not care. He is super boring. Uh, uh. And it's such a shame because he's <laughs> named after Iroh's voice actor. The I, great I, Mako.
1: I, I know. It's, it's, uh. What a waste. It really is. But he, um, what else was weird was, um, uh, before your time, but the show "Married with Children." Did you ever hear? Of I've that? heard of it. Yeah, uh, his, his voice—he is Bud Bundy. He is—he is really the, the son on that show. It's um, oh wow, David Faustino. Yeah, uh, so it's really weird to hear Bud Bundy, who was this <laughs> little perverted troll of a teenager on "Married with Children," to hear his voice coming out of. Uh, Mako talking about bending and competitive bending. We're I'm going to complain. We're going to gonna get in that. It's okay. it's okay. It's uh, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this dynamic, these four characters that we spent the entire season with, I just didn't care about them. I just did not connect with them. I didn't care who ended up with Mako. I didn't care if Korra got the guy at the end of the day. I, I didn't care about any of that. And and I'm, I'm, I I just was kind of shrugging my shoulders going, I get it. These are our heroes. I should be connected with them. I do hope they win. You know, I hope, but I also hope something interesting happens to them and that they deal with it in an interesting way. And I just don't feel like, I feel like interesting things did happen to them. I just was not invested in the characters enough. To be on the edge of my seat. To... I
2: I think part of the problem there is this show is I feel like the writing was more focused on the plot and what is happening with Amon and the equalists which is cool. it it was. But they didn't really spend the time to develop um especially like I feel like Asami never really fit in with the group, which is such a shame because in rewatching this season uh these past few weeks her arc with her dad it's the most interesting really thing
1: it's the most interesting thing that happens in this season is is her realizing that her dad is a monster right and that he's essentially a batman villain who's driven by revenge and you know like sure. misguided revenge like but her that that is the most engaging thing about this whole season Every other thing that they sort of built into this to try to have stakes, like, oh, hey, the Equalists are taking over Airbender Island. And um, J.K. Simmons' wife is like, oh, no, the baby's coming. And they're like, and so you're like, ooh, here's going to be like this whole thing about trying to have the baby while their island is being occupied. And it's just sort of like, nope, baby's here. Right, yeah. It's, it's like, What? <laughs> She was in labor for two seconds. It was like this false drama that was built up. As far as them writing about the plot, I I feel like yes, the plot is important. The plot drives the show. The plot should define the characters, but it doesn't. Right. The plot happens. The characters take care of it, and I don't feel like either one drove the other. And and yes. Whereas um, I'm I'm making the, the comparison to avatar but really like lord of the rings star wars I, any I, the, movie the plot defines characters and the characters drive the plot
2: can i i wanted to bring this go. up and go, go, you go, go, just go. okay um this show is not a hero's journey in the way that avatar lord of the rings and star wars all be. are no listen they aren't traveling from place to place they aren't exploring the world it is still Korra learning how to be an airbender and how to That's control herself. That's the hero's herself. journey. But the journey she isn't doesn't a, actually go on a journey. It's
1: not a literal journey. The hero's journey is about the, the goal. She's on a path to learn airbending and to become the full-fledged avatar. Whether she does it at home or she goes around the world, it's not the literal journey. This should be a hero's journey, but... You're right. This doesn't do it. It doesn't commit to the hero's journey. It's just sort of like, oh, here she is in airbending school. Right. Well, okay. What interesting happens?
2: Oh, she goes through all this stuff and she can't do it and then she can. Like, it's... I feel like you're missing an important part and we're going to get into pro-bending right now because... I hate pro bending. I know you do. <laughs> because, but you're missing no. the arc of Korra's character okay. by hating it so much. Uh, no, I'm it's not. The whole point of, oh, she can't do it in airbender school is because she had to learn a different way than Aang did. She had to learn herself. And pro bending, although it is dumb, maybe it's a sport. <laughs> And you don't like sports and media. No, it's not that I don't like sports and... All right. Can I explain what I don't like about... Okay, yes. Before I tear your argument apart... I don't
1: like fake sports that don't exist in the real world. Like pro-bending or quidditch or rugby. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) That took me a second. (laughs) I was like, hang on. Okay. No, I don't like... It's not that they don't exist in the real world. I am calling out a Clint Eastwood movie called Invictus. Okay. It's about the end of apartheid in South Africa. It's a, it's a good movie. And it's about a very important thing about racial healing in a, in a country. But it centers around a rugby match. And at the end of the rugby match, or at the end of the movie, we're watching, it's all this rugby match. And there's all this suspense built into the rugby match. But the suspense only works if you understand the rules of rugby. I'm watching the last half hour of this movie, not knowing what the hell is going on. So I'm not getting any of the the suspense that you're supposed to get in watching this. Same thing okay. every time in a Harry Potter movie, when they go, we have a Quidditch match, and it's 45 minutes of the damn movie.
2: Quidditch that, is horrible that in is the movies.
1: The dumbest game ever, and... No, it has a billion rules and none of them matter cuz all you got to do is catch the ball with wings or whatever yes. this stupid thing is. I hate it. And and then you, But you, I feel like that doesn't apply to pro bending. Pro bending, I get pro bending. Why was it 3 to 4 episodes worth of pro bending in this if all they wanted to do was go, "Oh look, she's pro have a freaking montage. Have something that it doesn't Half of the season revolved around pro bending and they showed us so much of it. And I didn't care about any of it. None okay. of it. Okay. Not a damn second. I get it. She
2: learned a different way. She had a different teacher. I do get that. I will say it does. They they have it too much. I enjoy pro way bending. Way too much. And part of that is because this show is aimed at teens. I actually
1: really hate it because I was in a pro bending fantasy league. Oh my god, really? Yes, I, I lost big time because uh, it, you bet against the fire. I bet fire against it's... the fire ferrets. The dumbest name. Okay.
2: God. Um, you'll be happy to hear it never shows up again. Thank God. Okay. Never. That is a
1: big weight off my mind. I swear to God, it is. I'm like, if okay. I get to season two and it is. The all pro
2: bending uh, season. Oh my I am going to be so mad. <laughs> they actually don't show anything but. It's almost as if you're watching it on TV. It's their Hall of Fame induction ceremony yes. at the end. It's, yes. It builds up to the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> God, what a terrible, what a terrible game.
2: Okay. Okay. No,
1: I get it. I, I right. do understand why it's there. I like that it's there. I like that she. I, I don't like. I don't want to watch. Every pro-bending match that she competes in. But I do like that it was a backdrop to what was happening. I think that's a clever way to do it. I just didn't like the execution of it.
2: That's that's fair.
1: I like that there's a game that plays it just like... I don't care that there's Quidditch at at Hogwarts. That's cool. But every movie, we don't need to see an entire Quidditch match jammed into the middle of this movie. Yes. Like, like as a backdrop, as a thing to be like to drive the plot and make Harry go, well, I have to go to so-and-so because I have a Quidditch match this weekend. Like, okay, yeah. that is something that drives a plot. And this is something that drives a plot. When the equalists take over like the pro bending match, it's a very cool episode. That actually is a really cool, um, the way they, they all put their gloves on and like they're placed around. They were, that's really cool. I, I really right. enjoyed that sequence, but I was so long getting there
2: and I was so disinterested I, I feel like part of the reason you enjoyed it was you were like, finally, something else is happening. Something is going to happen that is not this stupid game. You you were pro-Amon for the sole <laughs> fact that he wanted to end pro-bending. That
1: he, just that he would disband the league? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um... Let's talk about Iman. Okay, well, I do feel like they were really unfair to Iman just because he took a knee during the national anthem of Republic City. Yes, uh, it was during, very during rough. During the, the pro-bending. <laughs> I stand with Iman. I stand with Iman as well. Uh,
2: if you want to go burn your uh, stupid gloves, fine. Go ahead and do it. Right. Jerks. <laughs> um. So one of the things I find most interesting about Korra is each book has a different villain with a different political ideology okay and this season is amon with freedom and they bring up the fact which was never really mentioned in avatar aside from when sokka learns how to use his sword when he becomes a sword master um they bring up the inequalities that stem from benders being magic and non-benders not being able to. Um, yeah. I mean, it's less about uh,
1: it's more about the fact that benders run the world. It's like bender privilege. It's it's right. a lot of like what we're talking about today, you know, are white people evil? No, but we have to be aware that we have a privilege that many people do not. And, and, right. and, and it's very weird to watch this today when there is a conversation equivalent in the real world going on right next to it
2: oh my god one of the most powerful scenes and i don't think it was intended to be is when um the non-equalists they're just non-benders mad that they got their power shut off right um when they're protesting and they're it's made illegal and they're being uh taken away it it breaks my heart. There's a weird, um, yeah. There's a weird parallel. Not to get too
1: heavy or, or too real, but right. like, no, uh, they are they are talking about, and I think that's part of the reason I I'm so uh, kind of disappointed in that in this season falling flat is that they're talking about some. I know I'm. I can see that they're trying to talk about some very important topics. Right. They're trying to talk about. Uh, equality they're trying to point out hey we have privilege and we have to be conscious i mean this show is far before the mainstream conversation that is happening today like it's insane it's very well ahead of its time uh they're trying to talk about things like the military-industrial complex and how technology uh needs responsibility to go with it and and morality to go with it like they're talking about some very important things, and then I feel like the execution of a lot of this stuff just does not fly. Um, I I do like that Iman is a bad guy, and that his motivations are good. Right. Like his motivations are are and and that they sort of make a distinction of. Just because he's a bad guy who went about this in a bad way does not make what he was fighting for
2: invalid. Right. And they they go out of their way to show these protesters and even like side characters. Like there's this one guy who says, I joined the revolution because I thought he could really make equality happen. Right. But this isn't what I signed up for. Well, uh, this is where
1: I I kind of feel like part of part of the execution is not great because a lot of when the revolution turns on him is when they figure out he's a bender,
3: right? And so there is sort of cop out,
1: like it keeps this anti bender thing alive. It's like, oh, now we don't believe in it because we're discriminating against benders, and we want to keep discriminating against. Like there's there's a weird circle of of distrust and and i realize
2: that mirrors the real world but at the end of this season they haven't properly addressed the situation they've just gotten rid of the leader of the organization right
1: i do i do feel like uh, i mean and again real world parallel like yes the the racism is still a a giant (laughs) issue no matter how many people are aware but like i i do feel like Maybe they did not punctuate that sentence as clearly as they could have to say, uh, to, to get the message across. There's still like this rift in the show, and maybe the show doesn't address it enough to say this rift is bad.
2: They it's just sort of like, yep, benders and non benders, uh, yeah. what are you gonna do? You know, like, and, at the end of the day, it's all okay because Asami's on Team Avatar, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little, I
1: mean, they are kind of showing the city is divided and th- yeah. that's sort of where the city sits
2: at the end of the, at the end of the series. Right. Um, I, I will say that leads into the next book, but. Oh, I'm sure. I, I would hope they, they come back and address that. At when, some point. when we're talking about just the book alone, it does feel like a cop-out ending.
1: Uh, a little bit.
2: Yeah. It's, it's
1: it falls short for me as far as really addressing the problem. Um, but, but I get it. And I, I do, I do salute a kid show that is not afraid to bring up um, some complex issues like this. Right. And, and wrap them in a metaphor. Like we talk about this a lot. Like the idea of metaphor is, is far more powerful than just preaching about the real
2: world issue. You, you take away the biases people have, like, when you just make a movie about race relations, um, if a racist person watches that movie, they're gonna have their guards. they're open. gonna shut it off right immediately um, but if they see it through another lens and then apply that to the real world, they might be like, "Oh, maybe I am wrong right. I mean, we talk about
1: um or I see this this brought up every so often on like Twitter where people will point out like uh. Hey, look at all of these alt right people who are Star Wars fans or right. Star Trek fans who are completely missing the point. You know what I mean? Like yes. like they love Star Trek, but they don't quite get their head around the fact that like Star Trek is about equality and putting all this bullshit aside.
2: One one thing that and- blows my mind is uh do you remember the story Enders game? It was a book made into a movie. I, I know
1: of it. I've not seen or read right. it.
2: Right. Um, basically, uh, the main character, it's an allegory for he's mistreated, blah, blah, blah. It's very clearly like a minority um, allegory. Okay. And yet it's written by a bigot who opposes oh, yeah. got card, uh, gay yeah. marriage yeah. Is, is, and everything. Is, uh, it's uh, insane. Uh, yeah. How do you write that? And then... Not see the real world application I always, of
1: it. I always kind of wonder about people who have closed-minded worldviews who are science fiction or fantasy writers, and it's, it's like, missing the whole you point have of to, the genre. But how do you even write? How do you have an open mind enough and imagination enough to write? And then your worldview is so closed off that that you cannot.
2: It's sad. You know, that you
1: can't accept a real world person in front of you who just lives a different lifestyle than you. Right. Like it's, it's, yeah. Uh, There was a big dust up about Orson Scott Card. I think it was maybe right around when that, um, when that movie adaptation came out. Uh, But it definitely, he had a, there was a comic anthology that he had written a story for. And at about the same time, it came out that he donated so much of his personal money to anti-gay marriage, uh, foundations. Right. Um, and people just lost their minds and, you know, they were like, we're boycotting this. And it's like, well, now he's already been paid. Like people were kind of coming out and go, you know, now you're just hurting, you know, comic shops and things. Right. Like that. It's, <laughs> you know, it's but, too late. Now, but no, it was it. like, it was, I mean, it really, uh, uh, took some backlash. I remember that coming out that he was like, uh, He's very anti-gay. And it just it just blew my mind that a science fiction author, uh, especially someone as renowned as Orson Scott Card, could actually be closed-minded. You know okay. what I mean? I mean, because you think about Trek and Gene Roddenberry, was just like so
2: famously open-minded, so very accepting. Uh, well, it that show had like the first interracial kiss. First interracial kiss. They had a gay uh, episode that was cut from air, but it... They did make an episode about a gay character. I
1: I, I didn't know. That. I mean, there's a lot of flamboyant uh, people on Star Trek who I think are coded gay. Right. You know, like, but I mean, even like George Takei has, has said in years since uh, Roddenberry passed, like, he goes, yeah, Gene knew I was gay. He didn't care. Right. You know, he was very accepting of who I was and, and that I could act on his show. And it was just sort of like this very diverse cast of very diverse actors. He was, you know, pro gay rights. He was, you know, pro civil rights. He was just, he was a very enlightened man at a time when that was not a mainstream thing to be in society. Yeah. And he successfully created, uh, what's the movie series we watch? Uh, movies with Um, Mikey. Right. Uh, you on YouTube. I'm going to, I'm going to make that my recommendation this week. Uh, but he has a, a, short series about the creation of star Trek and that it was seen a few episodes of it. It it was, I think it's just a two or three part series, about how the whole thing wasn't supposed to work. No one knew what they were doing. It was just Roddenberry's vision that somehow stumbled into working really well.
2: Star Trek is a miracle. It,
1: It really kind of is. And, and it's a, it's a great message about equality using these kind of metaphors. We're talking about that Cora uses that, uh, that Avatar The Last Airbender used. And w- just like we're sitting here talking about the shortcomings of Korra, you could talk about the shortcomings of Star Trek all day and the cheesy acting and the yes. cheap sets. But like at the end of the day, they had something to say. I think Korra missed the mark a little bit more than Trek uh, in, in what we're talking about here. But um, but I, overall, I, I applaud it for at least bringing these things up.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, one thing that I think Cora um, really hit the mark on here was the character of Tarlock as a corrupt politician um, manipulating people's emotions sure. to gain more power, and um, he's he's the type of push his agenda right. He's right. the type of bender that they're opposing. Sure. That amon hates and that's a
1: that's a pretty real thing to be as opposed to all the people in power in avatar were either good or bad yeah they were just evil or not and this is someone who like when he kind of puts cora on the spot he invites her to the party and you know then parades her in front of like the, the press the press oh yeah and, and is like hey why won't you be part of the task force, and it's so manipulative, and it is a, like a real political move. But it's um, see, now that's something that I think that belongs in a show aimed at teens, with all the teen drama, with all the all the manipulation that that kids and the backstabbing the kids. I feel like kids can kind of relate to that because a lot of kids have been backstabbed, a lot of kids right. have been thrown under the bus by people they thought. I mean, you know how dramatic. It is to be in middle school and high school, and
2: and they super over the top.
1: Uh, it's pretty over the top, but a lot of kids can sort of relate to somebody, uh, two facing in them or something like that. I
2: yeah, think. the the moral ambiguity of these antagonists in Korra, um, as opposed to Avatar: The Last Airbender, where it's either good or bad. That's part of what I love, um, and I wanted to bring up something. This isn't an original point. I'm going to be very upfront about that. I saw someone talking about this, and it was something I hadn't noticed upon first watching, but it makes so much sense. And that is that this season of Korra is a response to season three of Avatar. And that might sound a little weird, but stay with me. In season three of Avatar... Aang doesn't want to kill the Fire Lord. He right. decides to take his bending away as a deus ex machina. Um, uh, the the
1: power is, sure, yeah. but but as an alternative to killing him.
2: As sure. an alternative to murder. Um, but the Fire Lord still exists. He's imprisoned, sure. Um, but what Korra shows in this first season is that that isn't always an appropriate response first off amon taking people's bending is horrific it's portrayed as this horrible thing uh it really hurts a lot of people but then i think i think it's a metaphor for gay conversion therapy really
1: why not it's taking away who somebody naturally is in order to make somebody else feel better
2: you might be right about even though it's
1: abusive and terrible to do to somebody
2: i psychologically didn't think starring. about that yeah look at how
1: they all look when they lose it they they look like shells of themselves
2: they've lost a part of themselves yep. yeah i hadn't thought about that
1: and then cora gay sexes them all back to normal at the end she's a queer icon <laughs> she's the rupaul yeah. of, <laughs> of republic
2: city yes <laughs> um does that mean she's a drag queen She's Uh, really Aang in drag. She's Aang in drag. Well, I mean, she's,
1: uh, she is the souls of all the previous avatars, right? Right. She's probably the entire gender spectrum.
2: I, yeah. Mm, Think about that. Ooh. Take that. Interesting. Um, but the entire conflict of this season is, it stems from Aang taking away someone's bending amon and Tarlok's father his bending got taken away and he couldn't do anything about it but he trained his sons to be evil and to harbor that revenge sure and that causes all of these things and so it kind of points out that the solution at the end of avatar isn't really a good one because it doesn't stop the problem and it doesn't stop the hatred
1: uh, yeah. Do you think that's some sort of, well, I mean, do you think that's some sort of, um, statement about like the death penalty? Cause Ang kind of becomes the man. He kind of becomes the state. He, I think so. Uh, I mean, he does take it away from, uh, Iman's dad. Right. Uh, as punishment. Yes. And he takes away from the Fire Lord. It makes you wonder, like, in Ang's career, how many people did he take bending away from? He was just doing it once, for fun. Once he figured out he could do it, did he sort of run wild with it? And um, Here's this
2: cool party trick.
1: Yeah, check this out. And, uh, you know, someone yeah. he just didn't like is, uh,
2: you know. Do like, we have the power to just decide your... Not using your bending for what I think you should use it for, and so I'm taking it away from you. Well,
1: I mean, it's sort of like uh, the state deciding, you know, uh, I don't want to get into a big death penalty conversation, because I'm very yeah. aware my stance on it is not necessarily the most popular one, but like... And also, this is a core review. <laughs> sure, but I mean, if we're if it's supposed to be a metaphor for the death penalty, uh, I mean, right. it, maybe it's talking about... Uh, Maybe that's a little bit of overreach on the government part it is to take somebody's life for to take somebody's livelihood. Um <clears throat> I wanna I, I wanna talk about Aang uh showing up at the end. If you wanna talk about Deus Ex Machina. Right. Uh the the end he shows up and just gives Korra her bending back. Right. And I hate it. Really? I do. Okay. Um, Can you explain why? Because Cora was sad that she lost her bending. And as far as the show is concerned, that's as low as she could get.
3: <clears throat>
1: she hadn't stewed in it. And I i think a, I haven't seen season two. I'm not making a judgment on it. Okay. I think the interesting story direction to go was to make her go through season two without her bending. With only airbending and trying everything she can to regain her power to reconnect it, that's where how she gets to the lowest point. I think she has to. I mean, the whole season one arc is she can't get the spiritual angle of it, she can't do this, she can't do that, right? And then, and and book two is called Spirits, everything. Everything that she can't do throughout the season, when she can do it, she just doesn't. It's just there. It, right. I don't feel like she earns anything. Like, she just can airbend it. And I understand the way that came up. I, I get it. Like, she was under pressure. She wasn't thinking about it. Fine. Yes. But then, you know, I feel like the giving her her power back... Was an almost tacked on ending. Like they got to the end of the conflict. And they go. Oh she's without her bending.
2: We should give that back to her. And it just. Right. It just happened like that. Especially since the scene before. They're like. We can't do anything. We can't heal her. It
1: really. It really should have been her. Being headstrong Korra. Going. I'm going to. I'm going to reconnect my. uh, My paths. And season two should have been about her spiritual journey. And then having her fail, having her really get knocked down, really showing her dropping down and opening herself up to things she wasn't open to before. Like that is a far more interesting angle to take than just oh, ghost of Ang shows up. Who I I do like
2: Ang's ghost uh, character right. design, by the way, and uh, also how he shows up and you think it's Tenzin and right. It's um, a good reveal. He he just shows up and,
1: you know, does the uh, tent revival preacher thing <laughs> to her. And, you know, and I'm just like, that was cheap. That was anticlimactic. That's hardly a conflict at all. And I just, I think there was a better way to have her go forward without her bending and have her really, que- you know, have the question be, is she really the avatar if she cannot
2: connect to the other elements yeah i i do agree with you and i don't want to make this sound like oh i'm um just making excuses for the show but this is where the scheduling conflicts come in because they weren't sure if they wanted to make a season two um the creators did they had a plan but the uh nickelodeon They weren't sure. And so they they told them, you have to have a definitive ending. Right. And then that's what messed up book two is they had to find this new way to, because she does hit her lowest point. She does do everything you just said. It's just not with relearning the elements. That sucks. It really is. It it screwed them over so much.
1: I I understand, uh, you know, network politics screw up shows sometimes, but it, doesn't help the show when, right? When you don't, let. and look, I love a definitive ending on a season. I, yeah, I mean, even on a multi-episode, I like something. I hate, uh, maybe not as much anymore because everything's streaming. You can watch the whole thing when it's done. Yeah, but when I used to watch shows as they aired on TV. I hated having a cliffhanger and having to wait nine months to see what happened. You it's know? pretty awful. I, I, I enjoy a, a definitive ending, but I think this show, had they done that, it had the definitive ending. She beat the bad guy of the season right. and it leaves her open for conflict next season. And I do, I get it in that. That's not making excuses for the show. That's, what happened and showrunners had their hands tied, I'm sure. You
2: you are right, though, that it lessens the impact. It just, it was a ending I did not like. And, and- it also happened um, from her defeating Amon to... Uh, losing her bending to getting it back and giving everyone else their bending back. Yeah. It all happened in the span of like four minutes. Right. That's what I'm talking it's about. So rushed. It's, it's so It's so run through. I also really hate that she could give other people their bending back. Right. I feel like it's like, oh, so there was no lasting impact of Amon's rule. He um, took away a lot of people's right. bending. She
1: can just, you know, what if, what if season two was just all, her just giving people, just, the whole line the it's 12 episodes of her <laughs> just standing there giving people their bending back
2: i don't want to spoil things no <laughs> Oh my uh, god <laughs> no <laughs> nothing um, happens
1: it's just the same recycled animation footage over yeah, and over again
2: they just put it on a loop for 24 hours and called it done yeah
1: i want to talk about the other ending real quick what's that the ending of iman and uh
2: tenzin the brothers um iman and tarlock tarlock i'm sorry uh <laughs> uh the double suicide the murder
1: suicide <laughs> the ICs the um the entire air battle that happened during the occupation of Republic City they're blowing up airplanes and they are very careful to show parachutes look nobody's dying yeah nobody's i know nobody's dying that too. it's the old gi joe cartoon Uh, planes would explode and you would instantly see a parachute. I mean, like, there's no way to eject from a plane that's exploding instantly. But they would do it all the time to show nobody died. And this show did the same thing and then (laughs) he blows up the boat. I laughed because it was so dark and so surprising. I'm like, nobody dies in this show. Even after the body count of Avatar, like, Nobody's dying in this show, and oh my god, was that a dark... You were so wrong. Was yeah. that a dark turn for this uh, series to take? I it, did not expect that. I
2: really think the parachute thing is because of the death count in Avatar, because people online nitpick about it all the time. They're like, Aang says he never kills anybody, but he kills hundreds he killed, of people.
1: Uh, uh, and yeah. so in this <laughs>
2: show, they like were like, no, there's parachutes. I wondered if the parachutes were added... At, you know like After? later like maybe because
1: they were real small they could have been there were a few frames of animation and they could have just sort of somebody reviewed it and they're like um yeah hey t- guys people are dying and we can't show that this is a kid show and oh, then yeah. they're like what do you want us to do about these two they're like i just show the explosion from a distance
2: yeah right? like
1: they could have escaped <laughs> um but yeah what god what a weird what a weird turn it was but it's
2: also a really sad scene.
1: I like it. it. It is a sad scene, and and when um, Aman, he has a tear come out of his eye. Like he knows right. what's coming. Yeah, and that's that's what's super tragic about it. Like, but it, it, it is a it is a beautiful tragedy. And, but it was such a shot in the face. Like I really, it really did surprise me. Yeah,
2: I I can't remember my reaction the first time I saw it. So like, was it laughing or is that just me? i think you're a psychopath (laughs) (laughs) i was seriously guys he started laughing and then i uh, looked at him i was like oh my god you looked absolutely horrified when i laughed but it was a laugh of surprise not (laughs)
1: dead brothers i i
2: know that yeah it was a shocking ending um what else you got on
1: here uh you got anything else you want to touch on I'm trying to think. Can I talk about Tenzin's character design? Sure. I don't like it. Really? He's too big. Too tall? Too big? Fat? Too, no, not fat, but like he's muscular. He's big, athletic. He's too tall. He's an airbender. I want my airbenders to be wispy, scrawny, quick on their feet. He doesn't look fast. He doesn't look swift or graceful. Uh And and I like I like the character design of what you do. Like the way, like the Earth Kingdom from, and I'm just going by Avatar. Sure, Earthbenders are kind of squat. They're muscular. They're not necessarily tall. Toph is a short sort of Earth person. She's a she's yes. a squatty little. She's a hobbit. Kind, yes, yes, exactly. It's uh and if we're gonna lord of the rings compare these things like airbenders are elves there's they should be light they should be sort of uh you know very he doesn't strike me as that when he moves as an airbender it looks super unnatural because he just
2: is not that body type. his airbending though is very aggressive it is And I like that about him. And I also... But that's part of the thing about airbending is
1: I feel like airbending is defensive. Earthbending is an offensive maneuver.
2: I'm relying on my knowledge of future happenings in the show here. But um, it is dived into Tenzin and his two siblings, their relationship with Aang. And Tenzin, as the only airbending child to The Last Airbender... He had a lot of responsibility put on him. And so I could almost see this as like he's overcompensating by really hitting those reps and <laughs> you think making he's sure a, he's, he's been in the gym. Woke. He's a gym rep? He's swole. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Look, I don't need an explanation of why he's so big. I just think it's a an odd character design choice. I'm coming at this as an artist, as someone sure. who if I'm drawing him like I think Aang is the perfect airbender design he's this tiny scrawny little kid and even adult ang is not overly big he's right he's got big robes but you can see he's like still a a kind of he's probably kind of sinewy pretty lean you know yeah. he doesn't have the he has got that weird beard i like that beard i really i i i know I, I would never wear that beard right but i can see ang being kind of like a you know he's Sokka's making fun of him for it when he's when he's Done airbending for the day. He and Sokka, you know, uh, they go kick back a couple IPAs. (laughs) They're uh, they're, he's he's kind of like a grown up skater kid. Oh my! I mean, uh, yeah. uh, Airbend. I I think airbenders are skateboarders.
2: I mean, he rides that ball around. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. By the way, can I mention? um, Since we're talking about Tenzin's design. He's named after Monk Gyatso. Okay. Um because he's not named Giazzo, but Giazzo is named after the Dalai Lama. I can't remember which one, but one of them is named Um Tenzin Gyatso. Okay. So he's named after Um Giazzo, and then also his brother is Bumi, named after right. King Bumi. We got that. Yep. Right? I so think that's that cool. So does that make
1: Katara the Dalai Lama Mama? Yeah. Mm. Dalai that's Lama a, Mama. That is... Okay. I I missed if they said it directly. But Aang and Katara did end up together, right? Yes. Okay. I I I, I recognize, yes, Katara's in this. Uh, yes, they, I think uh, the, Tenzin is Aang's kid. I didn't ever get if I,
2: he never called her mother. I don't think uh, the only time is when, um, in the first episode, Cora is like, "Katara told me I could come," and Tenzin says, "Don't bring my mother into this." Okay, all right. I'm I I couldn't uh, remember if it was I, yeah.
1: I couldn't remember. It's not. It's not super. I guess it is important, but like, I couldn't remember if it was specifically said. I I kind of inferred that but i didn't i if, didn't know for sure if
2: they had after the avatar been like like oh actually aang and katara broke up and then aang married like some other girl but people that, would be so but mad but that also like happens
3: you
1: know like it I, does. I don't think it's realistic i don't, realistic, think, I don't think it's
2: terribly out of line to do that
1: i just think it's these fans are crazy dad no, no no i get it and it's a kid show and i i do understand like it's a happy ending right right and and I do like that I do like that Katara's there and that um, I think I think there's a real and this is I think because I like Avatar so much. Uh, the the scene where she's talking about like, you know, Aang's gone, she's like my brother's gone, like she's sort of the last one of the old crew. Right. Um and and she's just kind of talking about like this is your time now. I think I think that was like uh I really like seeing Katara in this and seeing her like as this old woman who's like uh all of her old friends are kind of gone i know zuko's she, she, in this later yes. um and tough too and tough and but it's just sort of uh it's it's kind of sad and and when you figure out that like ang died when he was like 40
2: yeah you know it's it's I uh, they say it's because of like um something to do with him being in the iceberg for that long that like drained his life force oh yeah but uh, yeah, it think is. That sad would have preserved
1: think. him a little bit longer.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, since we're talking about past characters, real quick, metal bending. I wanted to touch on that. Don't like it. You don't like that it's widespread. I I don't like
1: that it's a specific thing. I just feel like it's an it's an an earthbender should be able to metal bend. That there are specific metal benders sort of points to oh metal's an element too when metal is really just like a byproduct of earthbending
2: i see it more as like an elite form of earthbending okay um because tough uh she's she started the police academy and she started a training thing and that's why she's like the kamala harris of this world sure like (laughs)
1: well we'll go with that (laughs) i'm putting it in the best light possible okay yes yes
2: Vice President Toph. <laughs> um, please, please. <laughs> yeah, um a lot of people think it like lessens Toph's ability to metal bend, like, oh, she was the only one, she should only be the only metal bend. No, I don't think it's
1: that. I don't I don't have a problem with that. I like that she unlocked it and it becomes a thing. Right. But I just feel like um that's an interesting way to put it that that. These are earthbenders who just went the extra step.
2: Yes. They show them um, earthbending too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe I
1: just didn't pick up on that. But it it just, it all read to me like, oh, metal bending's its own thing. And it's just sort of like, no, yeah. it's earthbending. Like, it's, yeah. you know, I,
2: I think they just have, um, they're elitists. They're a bit um, full of themselves. Right, right. I'm going to call myself a metal bender because I can bend uh earth better than you i want the i want the the metal
1: bender i want there to be a metal bender who goes the extra step and is able to it's not blood bending but they're bending the metal that's naturally in a person's body and then they can manipulate them that way um like the little minute amounts of like zinc that that you have in your body
2: can i spoil a tiny thing go for it I don't care about this like okay. I did Avatar. Lava bending. Yeah. Lava bending is a thing.
1: Sure, it's Earth. I, I yeah. get that.
2: No. It's it's a very rare thing, and uh they show it in book three. It's so cool. But that's kinda my point, is like things that that's the point of
1: elements is that they are the basis of other things.
2: Yeah, like, it's everything is like uh, lava
1: is uh hot rock basically melted rock right you know like of course you should be able to bend that so i mean yeah. that's what i that's what I'm, I'm only like half joking when i say you should be able to bend the metal in somebody's body like uh, yeah i mean it it's makes it's all derivative of something else that's why blood bending makes sense i mean you call it blood bending but if you're 80 percent water a water bender should be able to you know
2: completely right. manipulate it's person. just like sand bending
1: right No, it's, it's, it's cool world building stuff just to talk about it, this stuff. But, um, yeah, just how, how far it gets pushed. I'm not opposed to metal bending. It just, it seemed weird to me. It seemed
2: out of left field. It's, they don't explain it very well. They just leave it for you to kind of figure out on your own. Yeah. And the, the whip things that they have, uh, it took me a while to figure those out that they have like like, metal, metal cable that they're bending it. Yeah. I thought it was like metal cable, like. I think it might be metal cable yeah, but, too. Um,
1: yeah, it's a little weird. I'm not. It's a bit. I'm Batman. not totally
2: sold. Right. I'm
1: not totally sold on it. But th- it's used a couple of times. Yeah. Pretty well. Like Toff's daughter. Like
2: Lin Bay Fong. She is the best. She's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: I, uh, it took me a while to warm up. Again, like these characters, I just didn't warm up to them in the same way. They don't
2: have the best introductions.
1: Um. But by the end of the series, I'm like, oh no, I like her. She's kind of come around on Cora. Um. Uh, J.K. Simmons, it's just cool to hear his voice. The whiplash uh, video <laughs> you showed me... That's hilarious. ...was
2: uh, phenomenal. I, I think he was having fun with this role.
1: Sure. I mean, J.K. Simmons is is one of those guys who... Uh, you know, I think if you put an interesting role in front of him and meet his price, he'll do your project. And, right. And, and I think he kind of probably... It, the, the thing about JK Simmons he may not have been having fun with this he may have thought this is the dumbest kid show ever but JK Simmons never phones something in yeah he always commits to it even when I'm just like picturing him saying things like we start your airbending training today like he had to think that was the weirdest <laughs>
2: line out of left field but like the hell is going on in this it, show it, but he he delivers it and yeah. he's he's really solid. I think one of the saddest things is his character. He's not written out of the show, but he is less in season four because they had budget cuts and it's yeah. so sad. I'm like, no, please just kick someone else out. I want him. I love Tenzin. That's
1: one of those things where he also, cause JK Simmons works a lot. He could have had scheduling conflicts too, where it, that it they, could have been. That they maybe had to work around. Um, you know, I don't. I mean, that's all speculative, but I—I I, I, was
2: just assuming it was by sure. budget cut.
1: Um But no, uh, it's—it's it's good to see him in this show. Uh, there's a there's a pretty Lin decent voice cast, but Lynn is someone famous too. Um, I just don't know. who. I don't know without spending this whole show looking yeah, things I, up. Uh, I want to talk about his kids in this show. I just found his kids annoying and pointless. Uh, outside of having hostages at the end right i just i just could not care about i know they wanted them to be comic relief they just none of it worked for me
2: i kind of agree i the only thing is genora um which i'm sure you don't even yeah exactly they're all just they're kids yes um she's the oldest and she she gets her own arc in books two three and four okay um, she becomes an airbending master. She's really cool. She says, but the, "In this, she's the, not that much." The
1: one one of the kids says something about, "Oh, are you the boy Cora likes, or something like that?" And Cora like has that explosion face. She has the anime expression uh, yes, thing. That, that was the one time that I think I laughed out loud during this whole. This whole, uh, besides the, uh, murder-suicide that I laughed Right. <laughs> like, a, like a psychopath.
2: <laughs> There's also the, uh, when is being difficult and Tenzin says, are your teenage years gonna be like this? And she says something like, I will make no such promises. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know. A lot of wasted mileage. I don't I like Milo. Um.
1: The, the little boy. Oh, the little baby. Yeah. The fart bending. Uh, okay. It's, it's come dumb. on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and I guess that's kind of what I've done. Sit here and pick out everything that I didn't like. I just yeah, no, there's just a lot that there's a lot of potential here, but a lot of stuff just didn't land with me. So, I mean, right. that's where I'm coming down on this show hard, is that uh for for as much as Avatar connected with me, this is this is just not doing it. I'm gonna I'm gonna right. watch uh season two. We are going to talk about it. Um, Scheduling wise, it'll probably be, I'm going to say November before we do a season two episode. We have Halloween episodes coming up next month. Exciting. That's going to be great. Um, But we are going to do a season two episode. I'm just, uh, I'm hoping something locks in with me a little bit more. um, Yeah. Because these writers
2: have proved they can do it before.
1: I just, I want, I want Core to do its own thing. And, and season one feels like they're trying to retread Avatar and really just not executing it very well.
2: So, I... I'm, I'm going to save that quote from you because when they do their own thing in book two, I... Okay. I'm just going to no, save that for later. I hope
1: they do their own thing well. Okay. 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 But, um, no, I mean, that's where I come out. Clearly, you enjoy this show a lot more than I do. Yeah. Um, I love it. I, I, I'm, it's it's I'm gl- definitely got a lot of faults. I'm glad you do. I I do like the character design of Cora. I think right. I think she's a well designed character, and I think at times she's a very well written character. Yes. Not always. She she develops as the show but goes. But sometimes she really like has something to do. I think the writing is really uneven on this show.
2: Yeah, I think I there's think maybe a lot of that's what it all kind too. of comes
1: down to: is the jokes aren't funny, the characters are kind of useless, the characters aren't fleshed out enough for me to connect with, and I think it really, I think there's a lot of writing problems. One with, of the with most season.
2: egregious writing problems is, um, General Iro. So wasted! What a I, boring character. They just throw in, oh, we're gonna have Zuko's. Uh, Actor in there again for no reason. It's like Zuko's kid, right? It's his grandchild. Okay.
1: Is Zuko's yeah. lineage, named after the greatest character in Avatar, um leading the firebending naval fleet, and he is the most boring, bland, right. vanilla character.
2: It's so boring. So they just- pointless they just throw him in for that cliffhanger and then it's like okay what well it's like fan service it's like all the all the stuff you don't like
1: about other star wars trilogies or marvel movies is the winking the the constant like uh do you get that it's like just do the story like please it's yes if that's all you're gonna have this character in here for don't bother right you know and and yes uh boy here i go just nitpicking again um but but, yeah no you're you're right like that's a that's a i think there's just wasted mileage with some of these characters
2: well that was me nitpicking that time i know yeah it's it's but i piled on (laughs) Uh, um i i was worried you weren't gonna like it as much as you seem to have like say that again like when you first w- watched the first episode, you seemed very, I don't want to say disappointed, but like disinterested. Oh, no, yeah.
1: I, I was both of those.
2: I, I was afraid that was going to carry out through the whole No, look, show. I,
1: but if I'll be very honest with you, if we weren't doing this for the show, I don't think I would have stuck it out to the end of the season. I think I would have just thrown in the towel and said, you know what? I'm an Avatar fan and i'm just going to stick with that and and not even bother with this. All right. Like there's there's just in in a lot of ways like i don't really care about marvel movies coming out. I made it to endgame. I uh, right. you know, i have mixed feelings about a lot of marvel movies. I just don't need marvel movies anymore. That arc closed. I get uh, that. So um and and i kind of feel that way about avatar. I'm watching it for the show. I'm trying not to be negative about it. All right. It's just, and it's, it's, I've said it over and over. It's not a question of it being necessarily a bad show. It's just not connecting with me. And I'm just not into it in the way I was into Avatar. Right. You know, I'm I, into it more than I was into Avatar the movie. Yeah. But, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but, but Not um, a very high bar to yeah, step over. I'm talking about blue people. I'm not talking about the, oh, the airbender. Oh, okay. Uh, M Night Shyamalan movie. I didn't see that one. But uh yeah, I mean it in in a lot of ways it's like the Avatar live action adaptation that they're making. I really don't care about it. Right. You know, I I have my Avatar series. I have my my
2: Airbender world and that's cool and I'm good with that. I'm I'm not going to watch you watch make you watch the netflix series no i just i really um i don't even know if i'm gonna watch i it. can't
1: i can't picture myself caring enough about it to i mean I, i'm putting yeah. it in the camp with the snowpiercer tv show right i i have a snowpiercer that i love i i don't need this show you know like <laughs> i'm good it's I'm unnecessary good. if somebody else enjoys it great enjoy it I, i'm not here to knock it down for you i'm not here to take it away from anybody like i I'm just not interested. I've got my Snowpiercer, and if I want anything else, I'll go read those comics. Everyone has their own thing. That's exactly right, and and um, and on this, I am I am giving Cora a chance, but if it if it turns out like this entire show doesn't connect with me, I'm not I'm not the internet that's going. You've ruined Avatar for me. Like, right. no, I still have Avatar. I love that it's a three season perfect ending yes and i'm just looking at this as like extras this is an extra
2: thing and it's it's, i'm it's cool in its own way for what works for it i'm worried about the rough parts of season two but if you stick it out i swear to god (laughs) season three is not just the best part of cora I promise you, it's the best part of the Avatar universe. I am going to
1: hold you to that. Please and I, you do. You set a high bar for it there. I. It's earned it. Better than the the series finale of Avatar, the two part, the giant battle with the it's fire. It's almost as good <laughs> as <laughs> the best. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, let's let's put a pin in this until we get to season two. All right. And. Uh, And let's, let's, uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, no, I think we've, I think we've, uh, we've covered everything. We've beat this horse to death. So let's, let's close this
2: out and, uh, do shout outs. You got a shout out this week? I do. Um, this is a podcast called the Anthropocene reviewed, uh, the Anthropocene. I can never fully say that word, but, uh, i'm trying my best okay it is the current geological age of humans so it's it's humanity basically and um it's made by john green he's a a new york times best-selling author and scientist is that the fault in our stars guy it is. Don't hold him to the YA books that he... going to say. He's a very intellectual person, I teenage, promise. What
1: teenage uh, girl with a horrible disease
2: dies at the end of this podcast? No, no, <laughs> no teenage girls. Um, <laughs> he reviews pretty much anything. Like, it's as random. He'll pick two things. It's as random as, like, the Taco Bell breakfast menu... To cave paintings. Okay. It's it's a bizarre mix, but he has a very poetic sense of explaining the history of things. And all right. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of it recently. That sounds very interesting. It is.
1: Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, movies with Mikey. Um, that is part of the Film Joy uh, YouTube channel right uh he has a series on there that's mikey newman and um yeah in particular he's got a couple episodes look them up they are about star trek and and sort of the origins and history of trek and how it kind of stumbled its way through success right. uh and, and failures and and revivals and things like that and and what it has stood for this whole time and how this movie was made by people the the recurring theme throughout those is no one knows what they're doing um, and talking about tv execs who didn't quite understand what they were doing and sort of accidentally found success anyway it's a it's a really i i think movies with mikey is a really great series i think he has a really unique perspective on movies and films that we watch and why we like them and why they connect with us and uh He's just a really kind of interesting guy. He's pretty funny, and uh, the Star Trek ones in particular are are worth taking a look at.
2: Yeah, I've I've seen quite a few of his videos, and he's got interesting takes. He does. Um, so yeah, that's uh, movies with Mikey on YouTube.
1: I want to take this opportunity to thank you guys for listening to the Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps our visibility
2: and helps us grow the show. And another way you can help our show grow is to tell a friend about it. If you know anyone who might be interested in The Legend of Korra or anything else we've reviewed, let them know. Uh, Next week's movie. Uh, like we said, it's going to be the vast of night. It was
1: we just pushed it back a week, so we are coming back with that next week. Austin, got a social media handle you want to promote?
2: Yep, I'm at austin.n.rude at Instagram and TikTok. And
1: this week, I am going to promote my YouTube channel. I'm Phil Rude on YouTube, and I am posting these episodes there. I do a drawing based on everything we talk about, and I record it so you can watch me draw. Usually in real time. Every once in a while, I I bump the speed up just a little bit to fit the time of right. the episode. But uh, you can watch me draw uh, an illustration in real time on that channel, and while while you listen to the show. So check that out. It's a pretty cool,
2: pretty cool way to watch the show. I think so. Thanks, yeah. Oz. Austin, you want to read the credits for us? Sure. We do everything ourselves. Well, there you have it. We'll see
1: you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. Ah, Jesus
2: Christ, Team Avatar. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, it's a weak point of this show. We'll get into that. (laughs) Yes, we will.
3: Okay.